back, everybody, with episode three of In A Few Words with myself, Dabods United, and Taco Existential. What's up, Taco? Hey, what's up, G? Dadbods United, what's going on? Not too much, not too much. How you been? It's been two weeks since our last episode, since we've come together after our talk about the uh, the craziness of the new starting of the new year. Yep, yep, yep. The uh, the the uh, postpartum right of the holidays. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah, lot, lot, little changes, just things in the daily schedule. At least on this side of the spectrum of my life, compared to you know the the everyday nine to five thing. Because you got a nine to five like I do. That's one thing. You know, you got a family. You got nine to five. That's that's still going normal. This side of the spectrum where we try to do. Some of these things we enjoy doing, I've kind of changed it up a little bit. I know you have too. Yeah, so those are the constants. Those constants never change. Those are there. Right. You know, you right. wake up in the morning, you go to bed at night. Those are always there. But this, the streaming stuff, and the content creation stuff, yeah, has definitely taken a change in 2020, and definitely for the better. I've got more. I feel I'm, I've got more energy. I've got. I'm looking forward to things more. I'm a little bit more excited about things. It, it's not that I wasn't before. But just the right. attitude is changing. The pre- the presentation is. I'm able to give a little bit more. So I've cut back one week of streaming and rejigged my entire schedule. So I'm basically streaming every other day, right. instead of you know two days on, one day off, two days on, one day off, so on. Like it was just, it was getting to the point where I was I was having trouble finding things to talk about, finding games to play, getting excited about what yeah. i was going to do on stream where well, this is kind of just uh revitalized a lot of that for me how about you yeah i think a lot of times uh take a step back from that thought a lot of times streamers and especially streamers that do it full time or are attempting to do it full time they feel like they need to stream every day as much as they can because that's a uh, another you know another sub another follow another they feel like they're losing they're, they're going to lose something or someone's going to go watch somebody else or if they're not in their time slot, they're going to find somebody else to watch. So I know that full-time creators struggle with that. And I'm not going to say I didn't struggle with that maybe on a very minor degree, but like, like you're like yourself, we both have, you know, nine to fives and families and things like that. This is sort of a, uh, I think we've, I've mentioned it in past episodes that streaming is my paint room. You know, my painting room is my creative outlet and as such as, so is uh, the, the stream. I mean, the uh, podcast, I'm sorry. And uh, I took a step back as well, and I went from every day, because I get up very early in the morning, and I was getting up at like 4 o'clock in the morning, 4.30. And if I didn't go to sleep on time, I'd wake up too early, and it was just, it caught up to me. Finally, it just, I hit a wall, and I was like, okay, I took I took like four or five days off. And then when I came back, I said, I'm only going to stream Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and Saturday nights. And it's actually, like you said, I got to agree with you. It's given me, uh, even though I feel like maybe I want to stream on a Tuesday, I'm like, no, no, no. Work on work on some side things. Like, we're doing this today on a Tuesday. Yeah. So, you know, that's good. It gives us uh, everything I wanted to talk about, I can talk about it here on the podcast. And it just makes it easier and more refreshing and more energy when you do go live uh, for the Twitch stream after you've been off for a day. It's been nice because I can I've found more time to work on other things like you know like you said the podcast is a huge passion project for myself and I know mm-hmm. yourself as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you know making time for the podcast so that we're not feeling like it's crunched in or squeezed in at the end of a long day or you know knowing that you got to get up tomorrow. I, it, it's just 
finding times that work for both of us that we're comfortable mm-hmm. with. And I've, I've put a bunch of time into my merch and the stuff coming out for my, you know, to expand my merch store. A lot of my social media stuff that I've been slacking on is finally starting to come together. So it's been nice to, to do a lot of the other things that I've been neglecting because there just isn't enough time in the day. You know, right. young kids, full-time yeah. job. It's just, mm-hmm. there's a lot going on. And it's, uh, it's, those are the joys of being a creator and finding all those things, you know, finding time for all of those things. Right. But they can also be very, very stressful, like you said, with, you know, worrying about you know, if people are going to watch, really, because as much as we, we all would gladly stream to nobody all day long because we love it that much, it's still always a little bit more enjoyable. Once you had people there, you understand that feeling, that excitement when you've got an audience. Sure. And they're there for you. So, I mean, it's uh, it's a tough back and forth. That internal struggle is uh, is no joke. And it's also, I mean, you're much like me, too. I mean, if I'm going to stream every day uh, and and more me because I'm just chatting and it's a vibe, if I'm not feeling, you know, if I'm streaming every day and I'm kind of running into a wall and and my energy is going to is going to guide the energy of the chat. So if I'm not maintaining a certain vibe or a certain giving off a certain energy and it's going to reflect in the content that I'm putting out there. And also you're like me, if we're doing something, we want it to be good. Right. So if we, if you and I are not feeling like it's good, it's just going to, they're going to feel that in the audience. I mean, because we know that also because we are fans of things as well. Yeah. Right. I'm a fan of many Twitch streamers. And I know when, when you're in a Twitch stream, that's clicking, it's magic. When you're in a Twitch stream where the guy's raging and you can tell he's done, doesn't, or she doesn't want to be there. Yeah. You, you don't want to be there. Exactly. And it's different, too, because you're very much, you're the morning guy, so you're very early in the morning. Yeah. You're kind of getting people hyped up for the day. They're excited to see. They're excited. They're, they're fresh as a daisy, ready to right. go. And yeah. I'm that yeah. night guy, so I'm that, like, you know, I'm that a little more mellow. And, again, because, like you mentioned, I, I play a lot more games. Mm-hmm. I can rely a little bit on the, on the game's content to mm-hmm. feed me content, to feed back to the chat and work off of. So... It's nice because I can kind of maintain that mellow vibe or like somebody in the community the other day is like, oh, dude, watching dad bods at the end of the night. Perfect way to just kind of relax and, you know, mellow down to go to bed. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> They're like, what, was it just dad bots put him to sleep? Is that was that was it? <laughs> you know, like, come on, guys. Way to kick a guy when he's but down. it is but it is a different it's a different yeah. i mean it's just kind of like it's just kind of like you're on a radio station yeah you got the morning show and it's like wake up everybody get going you know whip the day's burr, ass burr, burr, burr. but then the guy at night's like hey breaking down you know it's kind of <laughs> chill welcome on in wolfman jack whatever it is right that's you slow know jazz. that's slow slow jams you know the quiet storm you know oh, what i mean man. so but it's yeah. good. It's good. It's good to see, you know, everybody's settling into the to the new year. I know we've had um, we've covered some pretty deep topics in the last couple of weeks. And, and it's it's had a, a very um, kind of a heavier undertone to some of the topics. And some of the stuff we've discussed has been a little bit tough. We've, you know, some good less life lessons. And we've talked about some some fun stuff, too. But. This is an episode that I've been looking forward to because, I mean, as much as we both kind of fly by the seat of our pants in a lot of respects, we've also yep. done a lot of work to plan out episodes well in advance. So this is one Absolutely. that we've been we've been looking at it down the pipeline. Um, and, man, 
I've been waiting to talk about this. So tonight, today, everybody, we will be uh, breaking down our passion and love for comic books. Yep. And uh, and and doing a bit of a deep dive into some of our favorite comic book characters, movies, TV shows from the cinematic side. Not so much the book side. We'll cover that. I think we, we both agree that'll be a long, long conversation itself. Um, right. But well, very we can much, touch on we can touch oh, on yeah. it a little bit just to make the origins of the movie love, right? For sure, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but we'll definitely be taking a deep dive. And I know we mentioned about talking, uh, kind of giving our hot take on Wonder Woman. So you'll have to stick around to the end yeah. of the episode for that one. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, talk to me, Taco. What? Um, where's your origin for the for comic books? Like, what what is your earliest memory of being like? Okay, I need to know more about this. What am I looking at? It's easy. I have the story all in my brain. I've told the story a hundred times. I love this story. Of course, I was aware of comic books. Of course, I had seen comic books growing up. But it didn't start with me until Secret Wars with Marvel. It might have been, I think it was like 1982, 84, somewhere in there. There was a story of Secret Wars where... The comic, the characters in Marvel, the heroes and the villains got plucked out of their plant off Earth and put on a place called Battle World by a character called the Beyonder, who put them there to, to put them there to battle it out. So in their books, they had gotten snatched away and disappeared and they and they went there. So this series was literally just the heroes and the villains on a planet fighting it out to some God character who was just having fun with them. And that's where it all started with me. I saw this comic book. I walked into a 7-Eleven, and I said, I mean, I looked down, and I, had, and I had got a comic book here and there. It said Secret Wars on it. And I thought, and I could see that there were, and I was like, what is this? I just picked it up, bought it, and the rest is history. I mean, I just started reading it, and I had to know what was going to happen. At that time, I was a naive, young, you know, 10-year-old, whatever I was, thinking, could this really be? the end of the Marvel universe, right? You really think that, you know how we, we get this all the time. This is the most fantastic, incredible, this is the story that ends all stories. The Marvel universe will never be the same. It's been going on since like 1980. So, you know, at that time though, I had no idea. I thought, holy shit, this is the end of the Marvel characters. Yeah. So as a, yeah, so as a young kid, I thought I couldn't wait. And I was like, you got, so that's when I started to realize you got to wait 30 days until the next one comes out. There was no internet, so I couldn't go on a forum or a Reddit or anywhere like that to talk about it. I was just me. And, and, and it was just me with, with the comic. And I must've read that comic 50 times before the next one came out, you know, that, so like, that was a great story in itself. The, the whole concept behind it. And, and like you said, you don't realize it when you're a young, naive, new reader. Right. That damn reset takes place. We're in the middle of a reset right now for the comic book world. Bro, in DC, they're in the middle of a reset that came from another reset. Yeah. Like, they, yeah. they reset every two to three years just to yeah. kind of keep yeah. it fresh and, yeah. you know, give them abilities to re recycle stories, unfortunately. Right. But as, as passionate comic book readers and fans, we fall for it. Yeah. Every time. Every time. Is every the time. last time. Yeah. And it's exciting. They do. I mean, I'll give them credit. They do do some amazing work. I mean, DC's last reset before this lasted two bloody years because yeah. they had the 52. They yeah, had the, the countdown. 52. They had the yeah. countdown to zero, and then they climbed back up to 52. And then, yeah. like, 
it was like 50 some odd weeks of yeah, a reset yeah. Yeah. um but oh that's that's cool like secret wars was secret and here's wars. the yeah here's the thing my favorite comic book of all time is secret wars number four where and i have the cover somewhere and i have a big marvel poster behind me but that's not it magneto picks up like a mountain which you know has metals inside of it minerals and drops it on the marvel heroes and and when and when i'm thinking this is this is it this is it yeah this is it how can they survive i mean i'm literally thinking as a kid there's no way then they show like the hulk's holding it up it's like a circle yeah. around and the hulk's holding it up they got iron man's doing something with his blasters they got i mean they explained it you know these guys yeah. and they, they always have an explanation but somehow make it kind of believable. Yeah. You know, Mr. Fantastic's in there, uh, War Machine's in there. Everybody's, and it's like, we got, we got a couple minutes and they figure out a way to, like, you know, Invisible Woman puts a shield on them and Mr. Fantastic covers them and they got one explosion from Iron Man and War Machine and they blow <laughs> it in the, you know, they, somehow and it's like the whole issue is this of them just caught underneath the Hulk and you just see the Hulk holding them up. I mean, that issue right there. Made me fall in love. I mean, if I could get that scene somehow, to some degree, I know they can't do it exactly. Maybe in a movie, dude. That I mean, that that moment in of Marvel history was a moment that sealed the deal. I am forever a comic book fan and mostly a Marvel a Marvel fan. That was the moment. Wow. Secret Comics Four, yeah. Secret Very Wars Four. Cool. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. No, I mean, I, so uh, admittedly, I'm not a big Marvel guy. I like Marvel. Marvel. I almost called them Marvel. That's how much I respect Marvel. <laughs> I like Marvel, and I love, like, the X-Men. If I had to pick a property out of Marvel, it would be the X-Men. They were the, I don't know what it was about this, like, you know, ratty group of people that everybody hated that didn't understand, that I just gravitated to and fell in love with. But I've always been partial to DC. Like, I don't know why. Um, somebody at a, com a comic book shop owner once explained it to me as, Marvel does a great job of having you fall in love with the suit, the character that is the suit. So the Wolverines, the Iron Mans, like those are the most recognizable characters. Right. If you ask kids out there, who's your favorite hero? It's never Tony Stark, Iron Man. It's always just Iron Man. Well, do you know who Tony Stark is? I'm like, uh, no. Changing a little bit, but I agree with you. It's changing. It is changing, and I think yeah. the cinematic. And we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that. Has a lot to do with it. But DC, if you read through a DC comic, at least you know in the last couple of years, it was especially their standalone books. When you get into like the Justice League and stuff, it's all about the the, the character as their super character, right? But their books were always about the human. Like it had a lot more, or just as much to do about the human element of it as it did. With the he the hero component, like there was so much, so much written about and developed about who these characters are, that really really got me loving the DC of you know understanding the the internal struggles of Bruce Wayne you know running his business the death of his parents, looking out for the his loved ones and then at night you know donning the Cape Crusader and, and going out and kicking ass that was always my my passion but the very the earliest comic book memory i've i have is we used to go like you know we, we've got a close friend of the family that that's a hairdresser and we'll 
we'd go up as a family once a month. We'd go up to their salon. It was like a you know forty minute family drive. You know, after the salon would close, and there's a you know good good friend of our of my dad's, so they'd cut our hair and we'd be there for like an hour and a half. And then if we behaved ourselves, my parents would take us to the the convenience store right next to it because. Kids today will will never know that you used to be able to go in and buy magazines and comic books at the, yeah, at the gas station yeah, and convenience yeah. store. <laughs> yeah. So when we finished, we'd go in to the convenience store, and there's always like a pack of hockey cards or you know a pack uh, a chocolate bar or whatever. One day though, out of the corner of my eye, I saw the magazine rack, and I saw issue number one of Wildcats. So this was like early '90s, and just the color, like I mean this. If I'm not mistaken, it was a Jim Lee cover. Probably glossy silver or something. Dude, you know? It was like super vibrant and colorful. You had all these amazing looking characters. And like, I just like this big, burly, whatever the heck he was. And I'm like, dude, this all is right. this. I got to know. I got to I got to see what this is. I'm like, dad, this is the one. I was like two dollars, three dollars. Like, yeah, all right. Fine. No problem. Cheaper than a pack of cards. And maybe you can learn something. And I held on to that book for a good 10, 15 years. And I still have it in one of my long boxes hidden away under the stairs. And it, it was that moment. I don't like you could you could ask me what that story was about and I would never be able to tell you. Right. But I could so vividly remember so much of the, the animation, so much of well, not animation, but so much of the art mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. didn't even matter what the story was. Because I remember just like sitting there flipping through it and being mesmerized by these colorful characters and that was easily one of my earliest comic book memories and from there it was it was all downhill it's a funny story because you could take that exact same story you just said and that would and that would be the exact reason why i love marvel over dc literally almost word for word i feel the same about marvel what i think it is is this that People just whatever you've latched onto first, you in your mind you make it. That's the one, right? Yeah. Like the Secret Wars one caught me, so I because I think Spider Man they show a lot of Peter Parker. Yeah. Daredevil's Matt Murdock, and he's a blind man. You know the Incredible Hulk struggles with Bruce Banner. Yeah. Uh, you know, so you know it's just kind of, but I mean I don't disagree with you, but I think it's just kind of, it just depends on the person because I'm I'm a Marvel guy, mostly. A lot because I feel like a lot of times uh, DC was a, a little bit more on a grander scale, yeah. And that Marvel was a little bit more focused on the street level, like you know New York City and yeah. Hell's Kitchen, and Peter Parker was a teenager. Whereas DC to me was like the Justice League in the in the space and and on a grander scale. So I don't know. I was attracted to Daredevil, Spider Man, and those kinds of people. But again, it's all preference. That doesn't mean I don't love the DC universe. Yeah. Because it's it's Batman no matter what. I mean, if Batman's right up there at the top no matter what. Batman to me is more than the DC universe. Batman's Batman. He just happens to be part of the DC yeah, universe. Yeah, right? Yeah. And 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 you know, Batman Green Lantern is another one that I'm a big fan of. That whole uh, mythology there of, of everything Green Lantern from the yeah. from the beginning to the Black Blackest Night and all that. Except for And the I'm movie. also Yeah. And I'm also except the movie and I'm also a big fan of characters like The Flash. Yeah. So where it's a little bit, it takes a little bit of that uh, almost 1920s, 30 goofiness, but they kind of, you know, they made a little where, you know, Wally West is a detective and yeah. and that kind of thing. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of DC that I really love. I just would prefer, I, I just 
kind of more dug deep. I got my hands more into it. But I, if I went through all my long boxes, it'd be a ton of Marvel, a lot of Spider-Man and X-Men, and then a crap load of Batman. Yeah. Robin, all the side, everything. A lot of Batman in my collection. See, for me, Batman was the one that defined. I'm like, okay, I don't care what else is going on in the comic book world. Who is this guy? Yes. And like, yeah. why does he look like such a badass? Why is he so mysterious? And DC too is like, because I wasn't super young following all these comics. I followed a lot more of the, the wild cats and stuff like that when I was mm-hmm. younger because of the colors, which got me into the X-Men. And it wasn't until later on that I discovered Batman and I'm like, dude, I'm done. I don't like X-Men. Yeah. Well, I'll get back to you in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Batman. Holy cow. Yeah. Um, you know, between the the Adam West TV shows growing up, um, was super super goofy, kind of weird, kind of turned me away from a lot of that stuff. Uh, but when I rediscovered my love for comic books, I was all in like DC, bring it on, and I'm like the opposite where it's all the Batman, a bunch of DC, and then Spider Man, mm-hmm. Daredevil. X-Men and then a couple of Iron Man stories because in the early 2000s or mid 2000s when you got into like Iron Man extremists uh, and mm-hmm. some of those stories where he they changed up his armor and like integrated it into his DNA right that was or like a couple of Marvel Knights the Marvel Knights line was it's, yeah was what really brought me back to Marvel because of that that darkness, I think, that it shared with the Batman and the, the DC yeah. universe. So let's go. Let's do this real quick. Let's just stop for a second. Who are your top... Let's just go five favorite DC characters. Just, uh, Batman's number one, right? Yeah, Batman is untouched, number one. Uh, Hal Jordan is Green Lantern, number two. Uh, Jason Todd would probably be number... Jason Todd and the Red okay. Hood. okay. If we're talking heroes, are we or just heroes on the hero side? Of whatever, things? whatever, whatever you think, whatever just hits a hits a vibe with you, whatever it is. Because I mean, you could you could dabble into like, so we got yeah, Batman, Hal Jordan, yeah, the the modern day Flash is in there as well. Oh, that's a, that fifth spot's good, man. I like I won't. Oof, but just off the top of your head, I mean, it might change later. But if you just think of one, like what just comes to your mind? You got Batman, you got Green Lantern, Hal Jordan, the Jason Todd Red Hood, Jason Todd, yeah. Uh, and we're gonna stick with heroes. So we'll go Flash, Green Lantern, Batman, Jason Todd, and oh man, uh, Booster Gold. Oh, yeah, that's one not everybody knows. Although more and more people are knowing about him from the cartoons and yeah. The animation and things like if it was me for DC, definitely for definitely Batman. And I would go Green Lantern. I like Hal Jordan, but I was a big fan of Kyle Rayner. Nice. I like Kyle Rayner. Uh so I would just say Hal Jordan, Kyle Rayner for number two. Uh number three for DC would probably be Flash, Wally West. And then you got uh I like Nightwing, which is um Dick Grayson. Yep. And then probably somebody like a um, Batgirl. I did like Batgirl, by the way, also. I do like nice. Batgirl quite a bit. She had a very good book early on. They they, yeah. they did some... Uh, there's some 
some writing things I that I wasn't a fan of. I don't enjoy reading Superman a lot of the time. Yeah. As much as I'm a hardcore DC guy, some people are going, yeah. why isn't Superman in your list or Wonder Woman in your list? I just, they're gods. They're just, yeah. it's just too easy. Yeah. You know what well, I mean? Same like, for me. Same for me. Even you know, people have been fawning for a, a Superman video game. It's like, why? You can't lose. Like, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? There's, there's yep. no story. Um, there's, there's just so many brilliant characters. How about villains? Do you have any like favorite villains? Out of that DC universe, I like Sinestro quite okay. a bit, but I mean, also you got like, um, I mean, Lex Luthor is a good villain for Superman. Yeah, uh, and then you got, I mean, the Joker. You got the Joker, right? I think the Joker's on his own level, though. Like the Joker's on his own level, but then you also have, um, gosh, who's the other one? Dark Side. You know the new dude yep. with that whole New Gods thing. You got that, and probably somebody like. Um, Who's the other one that is constantly, I can't, I can't, I can't. It's another one that's like a, I like Bane. Bane. Bane, nice. I did like Bane. I did like Bane, yep. Bane was great. One of my favorite villains out of, my list is very similar. Bane is up there. Uh, I always had a thing for um, Mr. Freeze because of the whole, you know, his wife and all the, yeah, not the one in the line. Batman and Robin no, movie. No, yeah, not, yeah. Ar not Arnold. No, no, no. Get to the chopper <laughs> on that one. Um, Captain Boomerang was a super cool villain out of the Rogue Gallery that that always used to you know mess the Flash. Really, really cool. Uh, he really stood out for me. And then yeah, the Joker was on his own level. Like there was no, there, I don't think there's a villain in any comic book franchise as incredible as the joker just the whole mystery and intrigue of the joker like that's why i try not to include him in a lot of lists like this because he just sits so yeah. far above for me another one's else. brainiac another one's brainiac brainiac is interesting yeah. brainiac yeah. yeah brainiac's a bit of an like an entity over yeah yeah over anything else it, he's a he's a difficult one because he's kind of like that world eater uh like god complex you know he frustrates the shit out of me a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. DC's a little DC's a little harder for me with the with the villains because I feel like there's so many. Yeah. And they and they and they, there's not really one. There's not really so many that are that stick out more than like the Joker or those yeah. main ones, right? And you got all the Rogues Gallery of Batman, Riddler, Penguin, yeah. Scarecrow, uh, all those guys. And you got Flash's Rogue Gallery, the Captain Boomerang or yeah. Captain Cold or whatever. You got every trickster they, and all that stuff the trick, oh yeah all that old timey thing that they kind of turned into a kind of a cool they kind of tongue-in-cheek made them kind of cool <laughs> you know what i mean so and it's clever and i think that's that old school charm that that really draws me to dc but if you had to on the flip side of things like how yeah. about on the marvel side like if you had to give me the top your top five marvel characters what are you looking at definitely at the top of the list is character by itself is spider-man yeah, got to be Spider-Man. I like Daredevil. I like the Incredible Hulk. I like Thor. Sometimes, sometimes the story it depends on who's writing it. Sometimes there's a too much of the mythology in it. I kind of like Thor to be the god out of water kind of character, right? Where he's a god, but he's in the middle of Oklahoma or something, yep. you know. 
yeah, that kind of thing. Uh, and I would probably say, so you got Spider-Man, you got Dare. I was always a big Daredevil guy, yeah. always an Incredible Hulk guy, always a Thor guy, and and I was and I was a Captain America guy to some to some degree, to some degree. Nice. Yeah. Cap Cap is one of those characters that is just too goody two shoes. I'm like, I can't. Yeah, yeah. I just can't do it. I can't. I don't. I don't have that draw. Like if I'm looking at my top five, Hulk for me after World after the events of World War Hulk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, Hulk is like, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> Just give me a hug. Like when he comes down on the moon and beats the shit out of like Black Bolt and the Inhumans, that moment right there is one of those defining comic book moments where like I had to put the book down and just take a deep breath. Right. And for those of you who don't know, like Black Bolt, the leader of the Inhumans cannot speak because his voice could at the right tone or anything above a whisper could destroy a planet. And when we're in the story of world war, Hulk, Hulk gets shipped off to this, this planet by a bunch of the, the brains and the powers that be on earth in order to save himself because he was kind of out of control. His, his ship gets derailed. He gets sent off to this foreign planet and I'm not going to spoil it because I think it's definitely worth reading, but he finds his, he finds his way back to earth. And as he's coming past Earth, he stops off at the mu- at the moon because the leader of the Inhumans had something to do with him being shipped away. And he stops off at Black Bolt, and Black Bolt lets out a whisper and almost annihilates the Hulk. And out of the smoke and dust and everything else, you see the Hulk fly through in his suit of armor that he's like his gladiator-style suit of armor, flies through the smoke and just turns to Black Bolt and says, look, I didn't come here for a whisper. I came here to hear you scream and beats the living daylights out of Black Bolt. And that you moment think, right there. Yeah, you think you think the Hulk is out of it and he comes back and goes, no, man. No. You're going to have to do, it's going to take more than that. <laughs> and, he, and I'm like, that's it. The Hulk, you won me forever. <laughs> like, if yeah. you invaded Earth, I would be, I would, I would give up everything. Um, but yeah, I absolutely love that. So the Hulk would be my number one. Uh, I love Daredevil, and in the uh, there was a book that I read about um, fighting that that takes you through. I'll have to remember the name of it, but he, it takes you through the story, origin story of his father, and how his father's storyline played into how Daredevil lost his sight. And that was always an amazing book for me. Yeah. Um, so Daredevil was my number two. The Punisher, I was always a huge Punisher guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just love the grit and the rawness. Gambit from the X-Men and Spider-Man were the always the five. Always those characters with that little bit of edge and attitude. Um, and then some of the obscure characters like Fool Killer, who I who I mentioned to you a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, some of those like obscure Marvel Knights characters always always piqued my interest in Marvel because I wanted that I wanted to see more of that dark side of Marvel. Whereas it was it was as I got older, a little bit too colorful and too I don't know. I felt almost happy-go-lucky sometimes when I was reading a Marvel book, where it was it was too perfect at times. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah one of, one of the characters that we kind of skipped over, but but I know he's gotten popular now because of movies and whatnot. Is Deadpool? Yeah, he's infamous. I mean, Deadpool now is like you know he sells. You can just put a you can just put any Deadpool on a cover and it sells now. Yeah. But Growing up, Deadpool not so much. Been yeah. right before, and I was a fan of him before the movie. 
you know, later on. But it was only later on that I got into Deadpool when they started making him this outrageous character. Mm -hmm. After he got created by Rob Liefeld, who also created some other characters, you know, it was just this over-the-top, fourth-wall-breaking. So, I mean, Deadpool would probably be six or seven for me. And then somebody, like, there's another character called Cable, who's part of the X-Men. Oh, the Cable Deadpool series? Yeah, yeah. One of the best comic books ever written. Like, that whole... I think it was like a 40 or 50 book run. Mm-hmm. Their run together is some of the best comic book storytelling anywhere, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cable's really good. And, of course, the X-Men. Now, yeah. there, there's a lot more teams in Marvel than there are, in, I think, in DC, maybe. Like, I know DC's got the Justice League and, like, Justice Society and Legion, but those are, like, a different time period. Yeah. And, and, and modern Marvel, there's a lot. There's the X-Men. There's the Avengers. There's... Uh, you got the other team. What's the other one? Um, Squadron Supreme that a lot yeah. of people don't know about. And so, yeah, with the X-Men, of course. I mean, I love the X-Men Wolverine. It goes without saying. I was never really a big Cyclops guy. <laughs> he just seemed kind of bland to me. Uh, you know, they were always, it was always a little bit too all over the place with um, with uh, Jean Grey. Not that yeah. I'm not a Jean Grey fan, but the Phoenix storyline was great. But then, yeah. it, you know, I was also a big, big Professor X guy. I mean, I loved Beast. I loved the X-Men. But I wasn't ever... I was more X-Men at the beginning and less Avengers, but it kind of they kind of focused more on the Avengers after, after you know, because all, mainly because Fox had the rights to it, so they started to focus on the Avengers. What a disaster and, that is. Yeah, that whole, thank God they got control of that. I was so happy when that all went down. Yeah. But the biggest one that I like, the biggest team book that I like in Marvel is Fantastic Four. And they... <laughs> Can we talk? Take a minute to talk about yeah. what Marvel did to the Fantastic Four when they couldn't get their hands on the rights. Yeah, they just eliminated them from everything. Taco's got the Taco's got a huge quote of you know delete yourself. Marvel yeah. came in and was like, fine, Sony, you don't want to sell us back the rights. Yeah, they wiped the Fantastic Four off the face of the planet. Yeah, like no cut, no books, like they just disappeared from. They the weren't on merch. They're on nothing. No merch, no comic books, no toys, no nothing. I'm like, fine, Sony. You want them? Have them. You do you. And it was, I've, I've never in my life experienced anything like that before. And seeing yeah, they that wiped. go down, yeah, I was like, wow. And now they finally got them back, and they're finally being rewritten into the universe, which is, which is crazy to lose the Fantastic Four. And then for Marvel to be willing to take that kind of loss, and be like, no, we won't even talk about them. Like, good luck, good luck pitching them if they don't exist. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't talk about them. They 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 acted like I don't. We're, no, they're just. We don't have the right story for them right now. Yeah. You know, it was funny how they just didn't. Have, they were nothing. They were putting out new merch. And there was no Fantastic Four merch. No, nothing. No toys. Nothing. There was just nothing. It was wild. But like, I I love what Marvel did. What the the one thing I admire about Marvel is I know you talked about the team thing, but the way they have a distinction between mutants and superpowers like superman or, or not superman but like they have the, the superhumans and then they have the mutants and that yeah. that whole distinction has always been both confusing and very intriguing like right. the idea that you have these they're basically the same freaking thing yeah but they very very blatantly disguise the two as different marvel like the marvel mutants and you know the Morlocks and the mutants and these like genetic freaks, but then you got guys like 
you know, every other superhuman running around because it was like nature versus, you know, nurture. You had the X-Men, the mutants that were born that way. And you had like every other hero and villain. The Incredible Hulk. Like, and yeah, yeah, that was like man-made or created Spider-Man. in some way. Spider-Man and the Hulk, they're not mutants. Right. They were made in a lab, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but what that does is it goes to show the, the genius of it is that it's like in the end, they're basically the same thing. It's kind of like the human race, we're all basically the same thing. Yep. We're sitting here saying, well, this person's better than that person, when in the end, they're basically the same thing. It's kind of the same argument with mutants. They kind of make them outcast and the ones who are looked down upon when they're basically the same as Captain America and Spider-Man. And, but because they were born that way or they had something a little bit different, they're the outcasts. And, that, and originally, I was very attracted to, to the X-Men. Unfortunately, one of the biggest and most famous writers of the X-Men, his name is Chris Claremont. Yep. I am not that big a fan of his writing. I think he writes too many words and he over explains to Now, I'm in the minority because there's a lot of people from that read comic books back in the day that love this man. And but his his is just too much. There's a yeah. fine line between being goofy and corny and being like overriding things. I, I have I have a very big and deep appreciation for when the writer allows the artist to tell the story through their art. And that that really attracts me. Like I don't, I want to read a good story, but I want to be able to let my eyes take me through the adventure yes. visually. I don't need you to handhold me. Like I can hear what, like I can read it, I can see it. You know, I can read it to myself, so I can hear it, and I want to be able to see it play out. I don't need you to be like, you know, me, you know, Spider Man explaining everything on the panels to to Deadpool or Wolverine. It's like no, no, right, like, right. Get to your point and let me let me discover this artist and their their yeah. work. Um, yeah, but I, yeah, I agree with you, and that's that's always the tough thing. I get I, I've never written a comic book before, but I would imagine that's got to be a difficult, especially the way they do them, where you know you'll have the storyboard written out, or you'll have the the art drawn up, or the the storyboard with the art drawn up for the storyboard, and then the 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 writers will fill it in, or the writers will write the story in each different panel. And then you got the artists kind of filling in their work. Like I don't, I, I don't fully understand the creative I process. Do. There was a process called the Marvel way of writing. Okay. And when Stan Lee did it, so Stan Lee likes to, and I've because I've watched a lot of the documentaries and read about it. I watched one recently. Obviously, Stan Lee didn't create all these characters yeah. by himself. He came up with the ideas of them, and the Marvel way of writing was Stan would say, like this is kind of what's happening, and he would kind of let the artist also kind of help him create. So it was kind of a co-creation thing right. with the artist. Whereas opposed comics before Marvel, when they started doing it that way with Stan, they were more more just panels, like boxes. Got it. And every box had a piece of the story in it. And it was like the art was just a little bitty picture in the box. Right. Whereas Marvel made it to where Stan goes, this is what the story is. These are the characters. This is the situation they're in. And this is what he'll probably say. But then he'll just kind of just go, hey, I'm not going to tell you that they're standing in a you know, what color the wall is and if they're smashing, he kind of handed it off to them, which is why they're kind of co-creators. Yeah. Even though he came up with a lot of the concept, you know, yeah. the the visual and what they were doing was co-created. And that was called the Marble Way. Although they've moved away from that a little bit now, that's what the, that's what it was when Stan first took over. What, a, like, to be, to, who would have thought, a, like a, a bunch of characters and tights 
and masks yeah. would grow to really just shape the way our media is presented now. Absolutely. Like, you can't go two months without seeing something, a superhero movie, whether it's a straight-to-DVD or a, a massive blockbuster. You know what I mean? I mean, growing up, I'm sure you thought the same thing. Like, wouldn't it be awesome to see this on the big screen? Well, like, seeing the cartoons, I, I still remember seeing the first X-Men movie when Wolverine's claws come out, out of Hugh Jackman's hands, and I'm like, <gasps> what? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, is yeah. this real? Like, is this happening right now? Like, how did they night do crawl, that? Nightcrawler was like, poof, poof, yeah. poof, yeah. That opening scene in X-Men 2 might still be one of the best cinematic yeah. moments in, in <laughs> superhero movies anywhere. Yeah. Batman, yeah. DC, Marvel, I don't care. But when he's poofing through the White House, yeah. to get to the... I was like, oh, my gosh. Where you only saw that in comics and thought, there's no way they can recreate this on screen. But they did. Yeah, like they had always had those cheesy ways of making, you know, Superman fly in the 50s and 60s and, you know, Batman fly, you know, drive through the city and <laughs> in, in a stationary Batmobile while the city drove him by kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the f experiencing them on the big screen, like, you know, after watching the cartoons, as I grew up with. You know, the, the Batman animated series in the 90s, the X-Men yep. animated series, all the Spider-Man series as, as a kid, both the Amazing Spider-Man and the original. Mm -hmm. Again, that 2D flat Spider-Man, you know, three-color palette uh, Spider-Man cartoon. But when we started to see them in real life. Right. And they and they really came through. And I'm not talking about, like, the Lou Frignal, you know, Incredible <laughs> Hulk transformations. I'm talking, like, Edward Norton. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like those transformations where all of a sudden that 3D model looks just as real as the person sitting in the chair next to you. I'm like, this is this is every kid's dream come true. Yeah, seeing seeing Logan on the big screen, you knew you knew it could be real. I instantly thought, oh my god, they can do this. And then when you had like uh, Iron Man, the first Iron Man, yeah. You didn't think, are they really going to do this? I mean, now it's fully expanded into you know they got Marvel TV shows. And, and everything. I mean, the, it's just it, it, what we came from. There was only the X Men. There was no yeah. Avengers, none of that. And then it slowly turned into you know some of the other DC movies, which uh, uh the the some of the X Men. I think the, the X Men Two was okay. And then they started to get a little. I think what was the last one? The Last Stand. Yeah. They started to get a little convoluted. The stories weren't really matching up anymore. Yeah, it was a little too far out there. I think. X-Men to me felt like the like let's try this and see yeah. what we can get away with. Because X-Men 1 was good. X-Men 2 was great, in my opinion, because because more because of the way they pushed the technology. And then X-Men 3 was like I that was a big yeah. step back. Yeah. Um but that to me felt like a stepping stone for Marvel to establish their 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 greater plan and that's where you really saw that marvel cinematic because that's that's when marvel started going after all their rights again yeah and was yeah. like okay no no we need to start bringing this all back in inside in-house let's start creating our own our own system our own development and our own licenses and do them the justice they deserve and i think that's when you really saw the superheroes on the big screen take off because like they've i think the DC's character development is great, but I think Marvel has run away with the cinematic side of things.
So what do you think about what do you think about Justice League? And so what was the uh, out of the new DC era, the DC Cinematic Universe, whatever they call it? Um, we had, I think we had. Now this is after. Look, I love the Batman movies, the Nolan movies. I love those, yeah. but that's that's different because that's like, you know, and X Men. I think what happened with the X Men was they ran out of stories to tell because there was no there was nobody else in the universe. Yeah, they could only tell their origin story so much. And they could only be on the run, but 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 it just got kind of like they, they didn't know what else to do with them. But even they with, were just alone. Even with the X Men stories, though they they ran out of like because of the way both Marvel and DC kind of like gave away their licenses in the nineties. Yeah, because they were going bankrupt. Yeah, it was yeah. so hard for them to. You heard it all the time, like. You know, Gambit has never made an appearance in an X-Men movie. Why? Because Gambit's rights were sold to somebody else. You know, Sony had the right to only these six or seven X-Men and, you know, got their hands on a few more as the, the last stand came out. And it's like some they would pay, like, homage to certain X-Men or, or, or villains or heroes within the universe when they did the movies, but never actually named them because they didn't want to get in trouble. Right. And it was just like... Ah, but now that, like I said, they're collecting the licenses, I think we'll see, you know, the New Mutants movie came out a little while ago, which was, like, way, way out there. You're starting to see Marvel regain all them, all those licenses back. Yep. So, And I know, I'm pretty certain I've seen rumors swirling about a, an X-Men reboot. And it'd be Oh, nice. yeah, I mean, I mean, they, what they did was Disney bought Marvel, Disney bought Fox. They, they couldn't get Fox to give them the right, so they just bought Fox. <laughs> So now Disney just owns everything. So they're, uh, they're, they're, they are, I mean, X-Men are coming. Fantastic and, Four is coming. Yeah. You know, the Fantastic Four was over there at Fox too. Yep. So they got a hold of that. So that's coming too. So Sony's God, the th those, those last Fantastic Four movies were oh, terrible. They were all kind of bad. All of them. As much as I love Jessica Alba, they were all bad. Yeah. Um, that they were just, that was, those were, but see, even that, that was, you know, my opinion, that was just, the source, like the the people that controlled the license, didn't have the passion for the source material. That's right. That's they exactly saw it right. as a cash cow. They saw it as an opportunity right. to like, oh, we can cash in on this name that's been that we've been sitting on for you know twenty years. Let's see what we can do now that there's popularity in superheroes again. Yep. And you know we saw that in my opinion with Fantastic Four. We saw that in a lot of respects of the Sam Raimi, uh, was it Sam Raimi Spider Man movies? Yeah. Yep. Tobey Maguire. Yeah, we saw that. Although they did a better job of of capturing the character in the essence, it was still kind of, yeah, yikes. On the D and DC's not perfect. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Ryan Reynolds, I love you if you're listening. Um, Green Lantern sucked. Yeah, and you know it was terrible. Same, yeah, it was the same kind of thing where it didn't feel like they were writing with the same passion for the source material that you would expect. And it wasn't handled with the care that it deserved. Yep, that's you know, right. Batman Forever, Batman and Robin, Catwoman with uh, Halle Berry. It's like, oh lord, why, why? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, that's... yeah. Well, now, now they got now that they've got control of all of them, and they are, you know, we saw it. We saw it with the uh, the Avengers and Endgame, and say what you want, even if you don't think they're the best movies. You can tell that there's a love, of, like you're saying, of the source material, that they're digging into this vast history, uh, and I really think that it really, 
I, I wasn't, I'm not, uh, what was the one? We had Justice League, we had Man of Steel, right? We had yep. the Man of Steel. I'm not, there's a lot of people who are down on Man of Steel. I kind of enjoyed Man of Steel. I liked that Superman. The ending was kind of convoluted and garbage, yeah. but the character that he, the, I did like the, him playing Superman and I liked the way they built it up. The ending with the spaceship and everything. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, what in the hell are they doing? But I enjoyed it. Justice League was a, just a, just a, freaking was like seven movies in one movie they were trying i don't know what the hell they were doing in that movie see for me justice league for that for justice league and even dawn of justice felt like dc trying to capitalize on what marvel had taken so long to build yeah and they were just playing catch up with it I know there was a bunch of stuff that happened with snyder and you know his family he went through a lot of stuff and it might have kind of broken the, the production cycle of the movie a little bit the grand vision but even with his cut coming out that's like four and a half hours long it, it's not going to fix that much you know what i mean no, like it, it might make it better but it's not going to make it great and what i look to and give marvel credit for is their success in not looking at their characters in a under a, on like a micro level but looking at their universe on a macro level yeah, yeah, and look and having the vision to see 10 years, 15 years down the road and how ha- and understanding how each of the characters is strong enough to stand on its own, but is built strong enough to come together in the end and have us care about them. You know what I mean? Whereas like, the Flash character, I can't remember the young actor's name, but he's amazing. I love him. Nobody cares about him. Why? Ezra Miller, I think it is. Yeah, it's Ezra Miller. Nobody cares about the Flash. Why? Because nobody's spent three hours getting to know the Flash or two hours getting to know the Flash. Yeah, yeah. You know, Cyborg. What a crazy, interesting story of, you know, some kid who almost, you know, paralyzed and died whose father turns him into a robot. That should have been something great on its own. You know, that... Even that actor, not bad, could have just had no time to shine. And in my opinion, The Flash, such a brilliant character, underappreciated, not written yeah. well. And it just felt like they were trying, DC was trying to cram this movie together, be like, look at what they did. We got to, we got to stay with them or we're going to, you know, they're going to forget yeah. about us. Yeah. And they ended up making it worse. <laughs> Yeah, they ended up making it. Wasn't there a Batman movie too? Am I forgetting some new Batman movies? Well, there was the 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 uh, Batman vs Superman: The Dawn of Justice, which yes, is kind of yeah. the introdu- introduction of Ben Affleck. Honestly, not that bad as no. people think. It's I, it's okay. I I hated the idea of Ben Affleck because I thought it was only a matter of time before we had you know a Goodwill Hunting reunion, and Matt Damon was going to show up as Robin or something. Right. Um, but no, I, I actually really enjoyed Affleck as that old burly Batman. I was like super excited to see it. I think he did a good job with what he was given. But again, even that movie, like they tried to cram Superman and his story into a Batman movie. Like the Dawn of Justice didn't have to be yeah. that way. Like they, they could have gone about it. It wasn't a Batman movie. It was a Superman movie yeah. with Batman in it. Yeah. Um. I think there was no reason to introduce, you know, Superman in that way. They could have done just a Batman versus Superman. 
and it would have been an enjoyable plot. But adding in all the kryptonite stuff and, and the villain and just it was like why? Just what it was for? Just, it's, it's just too much, yeah. So and I, then yeah, and then you know the Marvel movies were fantastic, and then the TV. I'm a big fan of the Marvel TV series which on Netflix. Ones? Oh, Daredevil. The, yeah, Daredevil. But see, even those they stand alone, right? They're. I heard that they're they may be coming into the Marvel universe, but they've yeah. always been. There's always been the understanding that they were written alone. I didn't like Jessica Jones, and I didn't I like Iron o- Fist. I, I was okay with Jessica Jones. wasn't a fan of Iron Fist, but I was fine with the uh, Luke Cage and Daredevil and the Punisher. Yeah, well, yeah. because they told they told a deep story, but that was that like. For me, it was like the reality of them. Like they were, they were, you know, Matt Murdock, some guy who just who's a lawyer who's trying to do good. The right. Punisher. It's like I could be the Punisher if I had that much rage and was right. a, a, a Marine or a military man. Like I, I, you could be the Punisher. So there was that level of relatability, and I've always loved the 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 Punisher movies, even from like when uh, what uh, James there was was doing the movies with John Travolta as the villain. Yeah, like yeah. I love those movies back way back when, um, but the modern day Netflix stuff of of Marvel was great. I think I think it was fantastic. I think Daredevil's out of this world. I loved it with the hand and everything yeah. else, the ninjas and stick and everybody in there. Yep. Yeah, same I, for I, me. I the Punisher, was... the Punisher. Yeah. Um, what's his name from uh, the actor that plays the Punisher? Yeah, from the was, Walking Dead. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, and even that, like Luke, like uh, F- the way they portray Fisk, unbelievable storyline. Oh, that's another great villain from Marvel, the Kingpin. Kingpin, yeah, like yeah, Vince Vincent D'Onofrio did a stellar job oh, as a Kingpin. Man, like his voice, his act, it gave me chills so many times. Yeah, and like yeah. my wife is not into the superhero stuff, or and she was glued to Daredevil. Like let's yeah, like, yeah, let's let's go Punisher, same thing. Like yeah, let's go. I want like what else? What else is going on? Um, but it's interesting. You see, like, as the Marvel Cinematic Universe took off, because there was a time where there was just quick succession, just like one Marvel movie after another, yeah. after another, after another. Yeah, yeah. There weren't as many DC blockbusters, but what DC was doing really, really well was their animated movies. Yes. Yeah. Like, you know, we, we talked about the, you and I, about the, the Batman and the Red Hood the Batman, even like the Batman Ninja, like there was so many amazing uh, animated movies from DC. And it looked like the, as the frequency of blockbusters went up in Marvel and down in DC, the volume of animated movies in DC went up to try to like compete, I guess, or just, like stay relevant. And the animated movies in Marvel just went down. Because they yeah. invested so much in their live action. Oh yeah, Marvel animation to me is just mostly garbage. But the the DC animation, like I was thinking, why wouldn't they just let these people make the movies? Right. Just let these guys take these storyboards from these t- this animation and make the freaking movies for God's sakes. Like every like, one of them is home run. Oh, absolutely! Like uh, you know, Son of Batman, the Justice League War, um, Justice League, uh, or sorry, Batman the Killing Joke. Uh, there's just so the Justice League Dark was decent. So many brilliant stories. Green Lantern, First Flight, that did Green Lantern right. Yep, yep. There yep. and I mean it. 
even if you remember way back in the early 90s, the the Batman and uh, Mask of the Phantasm. Oh, dude, that movie is fabulous. That's 1993. That movie's out of this world good, man. Like, and still. still, still, that whole animated series still holds up to this day. And I would right be there. okay. I it's right there. It's right there behind Dad Bod. You guys can't see it, but he has oh, it. Yeah. The Batman the animated series. Uh, I got yeah. it sitting on my on my shelf of uh, of as my wife calls it in Italian, chondolinis or little you know, keepsakes. <laughs> um, but it's like that animated series still holds up today, and I. The more I think about it, the more I would be okay if Marvel or DC doesn't do another big screen, and it just, just gives anime animated <laughs> quality. Like just give me yeah. that, yeah. all of that. You know when you had. Luke Skywalker voicing the freaking Joker and like Mark Hamill's laugh is one of the most yeah. iconic Joker laughs anywhere. Uh, Ken Conroy there with the Batman. I was like, oh, just give me animated. Just stop trying to compete with Marvel. Yeah, they're 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 good. What do you think about the things like like Lois and Clark and Smallville and those kinds of things before we get to the modern ones? But see, even that like DC's done a brilliant job even in their television stuff. They're just general cable television. Smallville probably still one of my favorite television shows of all time. I love. I watch it when back then. I just watched it every week. I had to watch Smallville every week. I have the whole DVD collection because yeah, I love so it that too. much. I, I do like, too. Extremely well written. It was a little frustrating near in the later seasons of not like so close to to yeah. donning the cape and just never did it again because of rights issues. He never right. was able to don the cape. Right. Spoiler alert. Um, but just and and you know sometimes the love stories of like are they are Lois and are, you know Clark and Lois together? Are they not together? Are they? That I was kinda, just like, get with get with Lois. Lois like just, was hotter anyways. Yeah, like we know what's <laughs> happening. Like just just get yeah, to it, man. Yeah. Never mind Lana. Yeah. Um but brilliant. Like super, super good. The Smallville was amazing. Um and then it kinda like kinda lulled away for a little while. And you had into the more modern stuff where you've got now the like Green Arrow. Green Arrow was great. I don't know how I much never wa- I never watched a lick of it. Green Arrow is amazing. Um, it's over now, right? Uh, I believe it is over now. But even that, like they, they did a great job, in, and by they I mean DC, incorporating the Arrowverse. So they brought in the Flash. They brought in Green Arrow. They brought in Supergirl, uh, Legends of Tomorrow, which was a bunch of time travelers, um, and Batwoman. And they integrated them all into this like epic, you know, five show crossover event, right? That just told this amazing, huge story. Uh, it was really good, really, really good stuff. But Arrow and Flash, the TV shows, amazing, amazing. I have watched some of Flash, and I enjoyed. It. I watched the first season, I think, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. I have watched a couple of episodes of Arrow. I just never sat down and watched the. Uh, one of my sons has watched all of Arrow and all of Flash, and so he's... I've seen some of Supergirl when it first came out. Yeah. I enjoyed the first couple episodes of the first season. I know what Legends of Tomorrow is, never watched it. Never watched any of Krypton or Black Lightning, but I did watch the first season of The Titans, and I enjoyed that. Yeah, The Titans was good, and again, it took that like darker tone... And it was approached really, really well for a Netflix series because they could be a little bit more gritty than like regular television. For me, like Supergirl, Batman were a little bit Supergirl and Batgirl 
felt like they had somebody Batwoman or Batwoman. Sorry. Yeah. Felt like they had somebody writing them that didn't really understand the characters and just didn't again give them the respect that they deserved. I couldn't get right. behind it because I just it it felt forced. Um, Gotham, on the other hand, with like J- the young Jim Gordon discovering all these villains throughout Gotham before Batman's even a thing, really fun to watch. I never watched Gotham either. Uh, Gotham. My son did. My son did. He said it's fantastic, and he read. He keeps telling me I should. I just haven't done it because I'm always. For me, if these things don't connect in a certain way, I kind of lose. I kind of lose interest. But yeah. now with all these multiverses, in the end, they all kind of connect anyways, like in their own way. Like it's yeah. a separate universe, but they're still connected in the grand scheme of things. And it's just the way they've explained it. Like I know these don't really connect, but it's just because it's an alternate universe. Yeah. So it's still it's still real. So I just I just haven't had the. Uh, you know, I would watch Gotham. Although they're about to put out a, um, isn't there? What else is there coming from? Uh, oh, that's completely different. That's not DC or Marvel, by the way. That's that other show, The Boys and Umbrella Academy, which are also <sighs> comic books, which are both good. But those aren't DC and Marvel. We'll talk about those another day. But both, both of those are fancy. Both fantastic shows. I haven't watched season two of The Boys yet. I gotta get on it. I just finished Umbrella Academy a little while ago. That's um, awesome. But yeah, the. DC has a lot of work to do, and I would almost prefer DC just cut clean, like with, and start fresh with this new Batman movie. Because there's rumors right now that although we've got you know Twilight playing the new Batman, and everybody's very, very I like nervous. the trailer. I, like I the love trailer. the trailer. Yeah, I like the trailer. I'm gonna give it a chance, and so will I. And I'm just trying to look up. He is a little pasty, but let's not hold that against him. The uh... <laughs> yeah, I'm a little nervous, but see, here's the thing: I was nervous about, I was very, very nervous about Ben Affleck as Batman, and I was proved wrong. I enjoyed yep. it, so I'm gonna yep. give him the benefit of the doubt and hope I'm not crushed. There are rumors though that Michael Keaton is somehow involved in this new Batman movie, and if the speculations come true. That Michael Keaton is playing Bruce Wayne as an old Batman, and we're getting somehow Batman Beyond. It's game over for me. Yeah. I, I like I. That would be like the dream. I like don't give me any more Bruce Wayne. Give me Batman Beyond stories because Batman Beyond, another brilliant animated property from DC. Property from DC. Yeah, that's the rumor that they got all these Batmans together, and again, it's a more of a multiverse kind of thing, I guess, or whatever and michael keaton apparently for a hot minute there on the internet i was like michael keaton's batman again yeah and i'm like isn't he like 60 or something <laughs> or i mean i don't know isn't he like how the how old is michael Keaton? has got to be in his late 50s Let's early see. 60s michael gotta be keaton. michael keaton is 69 years old jesus age christ so i mean he's not even I mean, nothing wrong with being 69, but I'm just saying to be Batman. Yeah, no. But as Bruce Wayne, like this old, burly, like crusty-ass millionaire who's fought crime and seen some of the craziest shit anybody could ever see. Right. As Batman, like training this young, buck, hot-headed version of himself, I'm in. Like, give me, like inject that into my soul because I want to see it. And you better do it good. I would love for him to be Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson be Batman. 
Although what the, yeah, but what they've done with like Damien in the in the modern comics and yeah, Damien's pretty cool too. It's yeah. been great, but uh, the the new like I said, there's an they have a great opportunity here to kind of merge those two universes because I mean the Tim Burton Batman stuff was good, like it was dark, it was gritty, it was it was powerful stuff. It, like that's I think DC needs to play to that strength, especially in the Batverse, like the bat that Bat universe. The uh, we will bring up Batman and Robin and no, no I'm skipping right over bat, those. Batman for Batman Forever with Jim Carrey and no, no, I'm just talking Batman and bat like Batman <laughs> and Batman Returns. Like just Val Kilmer, me... Val Kilmer's not your favorite Batman of all time. My, give me Michael Keaton and give me Michelle Pfeiffer in a cat suit and I'm good. Like, I'm good. Oswald Cobblepots and Danny DeVito, like those two Batman movies, and then nothing like George Clooney didn't happen. <laughs> and then just give me right back to Christian Bale because Christian Bale was fantastic. Like, yeah, that, that was... whole origin story, fantastic. Yeah. And then it just went downhill again. So I'm hoping that this is like that, you know, that 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 climb back up the mountain, and we're gonna get excited about it. Because I mean, Marvel. Marvel, whatever they put out is gold because, like I said, they've done they've done the groundwork to establish all these characters. They've done the groundwork, taken very good care of each and every one of these characters, treated them with kids' gloves, you know, meticulously crafted them into these brilliant like works of marketing genius. And now they can do whatever they want with these properties. I mean, I mean once they made once they made Guardians of the Galaxy a household name that nobody even knew who they were. Yeah. They it, black we didn't even talk about Black Panther, how awesome that movie is. But again, like they just because they treated it with care. They didn't try to jam the idea of Wakanda in and Black Panther into Endgame. Right. Every movie at the end, the st- I mean, if there's any downside to the Marvel universe, it's the fact that now people just stick around theaters waiting for there to be an after credit scene right. in every goddamn movie there is. It's like right. you're going to watch the notebook on the big screen? Yeah, but there might be an after credit scene. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's the notebook, man. Yeah. yeah. Um but like they gave they gave Wakanda the stage and, and Black Panther, I mean rest in rest in peace. Right. Chadwick. They gave it the respect that it deserves. They built they took a chance on Guardians. They took a chance on Black Panther, and they put out a like fantastic movies that gave them the time to develop who these characters are. Imagine they they made an Ant Man. They made an Ant Man movie. And look at how important the role of Ant Man (laughs) was in the grand scheme. But that just goes to show you how well Marvel's done to think this whole process through. Yes, and take the time to be like, look. Ant-Man is going to be important in Endgame. We can't just jam him in there. We need to understand Pym Particles. We need to understand Ant-Man. We need to understand his relationship with the Wasp. We need to do all these things. So let's make three movies. And and I think they did like a, a short TV series or something. Yeah. yeah. On Marvel yeah. now. It's like that. That is what DC needed. But they went the opposite way. They're like, let's cram everybody in and then we'll try to make standalone movies after nobody cares about these characters. And then yep. when we give them standalone movies, we're going to do a terrible job at it and make them like as convoluted as possible so we can set up the next 13 years of movies that nobody's going to care about or that we're not going to make because this movie flops. And it's like, come yeah. on. 
Yeah, now that Ant Man's so important, you, everybody knows why. Everybody <gasps> knows Pym particles. Everybody knows the quantum universe. Everybody understands that if they're in this suit and they're in the quantum universe, the snap could have happened when they were in the quantum universe and it didn't affect them. You know what I mean? Yeah. He comes out of it. So, uh, yes. Yeah, they've done a great job, especially even the one movie, like one of the movies that I didn't really enjoy that much from uh, was like like Iron Man. It might have been, was it two or three? One of the Iron Mans wasn't my favorite Iron Man. But still, you had a lot of Tony Stark progression in it. Mm-hmm. You had a lot of uh, character progression with Pepper Potts and things like that. So even though I, it wasn't my favorite movie, even the, the Thor sequel, yeah. it still had, it still laid, it was there. So when they dropped something in later on, it wasn't like, where the hell did that come from? Yeah. Yeah. And then the way they pulled it all together with like Endgame and stuff, where they went back in time to all of these movie points. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. you know, Hulk getting arrested, you know, when they were arrest Loki in Avengers Tower, when they go back to like Steve Rogers training and in, in before he becomes Captain America, like all these, di- they just pulled it all together. Why? Because they took the time to establish the little details in all of those movies made you care about all of the, like you care about a tree, a raccoon, an adopted, (laughs) an adopted kid and like some alien. And like you care about these people. Why? Because they gave them the time and attention they deserved. And I was like, Oh, like why? As much as I'm a fanboy, I I'm a DC fanboy at heart. I give Marvel all the props in the world. They told, some incredible stories over the last 15 years and just kind of sprinkled them in to this epic adventure. You know, like they went over, they covered Civil War, which is one of the greatest comic book events of the early 2000s in the cinematic universe. Yeah. Tony Stark hating Steve Rogers and Captain America dying, but not really dying and then splitting all the heroes and villains in half. And it's like, who would have thought you'd be able to tell such a political story in a comic book movie? It works in the books. It works on paper because there's hundreds of years of history. Right. But just to the general audience, you were able to give them this story that is just so powerful and so amazing. And you just you sit there and applaud, you know, their efforts. They're not all yeah, perfect. It, no, no. But but I credit them for be for respecting not only the source material, but also they created the Marvel universe the same way they created the Marvel comic book universe. They took that same thinking of this is a shared universe. Yep. What happens here ha- affects this. And they just brought that whole concept over and just, whereas you and I were reading comics and you're like, I got to get the, I got to get the Spider-Man cause it's, cause he's, he's also over here and we're messing with the Avengers, but it kind of connects. Yep. And then, whereas the DC movies were just like all over just like yeah we're not really caring about what's going on in the other movies and yeah it's like know, but we're so. going to bring them all together <laughs> it's like yeah you know like we're going to we're going to do a batman movie that's about batman and superman and then wonder woman's going to appear and she's going to you know steal the spotlight and then we're going to do a wonder woman movie where bruce wayne's going to play like a pivotal part and it's like but i want to know about wonder woman yeah and like yeah. don't even get 84 now let's start with the first Wonder Woman. Let's start with the first Wonder Woman. I was okay with the first Wonder Woman. It was good. It was I like. Good. I enjoyed the first Wonder Woman. I thought it was better than some of the other DC movies. I agree. Again, yeah. I want to. You know what? I I walked away from Wonder Woman wanting was a movie about Amazon, the Amazons, 
about yeah, yeah. Wonder Woman growing up. Like some of those scenes where like she's training as a young Amazonian woman and she's like learning her abilities and her powers and like the, the s- strong, powerful women. Like that's the kind of stuff that I want to see my daughters look up to. Like I looked up to like a Bruce Wayne or a Batman or right. kind of thing. Like though that's strength. And I, I think they lost a lot of that in especially in eighty four. The first Wonder Woman, I mean Gal Gadot's gorgeous. She's extremely oh, yeah. strong. She's powerful. She is no like model pushover actress. Like the girl's tough. Right. Um incredible actress. Well written. But it just missed the mark because it felt like they were just trying to do too much mm-hmm. in a short period of time. And then I don't know if you got anything else to say about the first Wonder Woman. I enjoyed the first Wonder Woman. Gal Gadot is one of the most beautiful people on the face of the planet. Well written. I thought the story was better than some of the other DCs. Yeah. And then we got Wonder Woman 1984. It almost makes me, I want to actually start telling people that I was born in 85 or 83 after that movie. I uh, went to that movie. So you, you know how I saw it, right? Yeah. We rented a movie theater for Christmas. Yeah. You can't go to a movie theater, but you can rent one. So we rented a, we spent a couple hundred bucks for 20 of us to, to rent a whole theater out for ourselves. And we had a list of movies we could choose. And I said, we got to watch Wonder Woman in there. We're going to be one of the first people to watch Wonder Woman 84 in a movie theater. Although it was on HBO Max, but at least it was in the movie theater. And about 15 or 20 minutes into it, I started to think, are they, I thought at the beginning, is it just being this way because they're, they're, they're going to flip the script on us? And about 20 minutes into it, I was like, this script isn't flipping and this script sucks. It was slow. It didn't have pace to it. I didn't care. I just didn't care. I was like, where is this? Like, it didn't go anywhere. It felt like I was watching a night at the museum. Yeah, like I was waiting for you know one of the characters on the wall to come to life. Dum dum. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, okay, but now like she's kissing the other guy and she's automatically in love with him because his soul is back in this guy. It's like, like the whole like the whole wish thing. Like it just what a MacGuffin that was. Like they just forced that artifact in on this on the story so that she could bring him back. Yeah. That it's artifact, like, that, that whole thing was just, like, forced in there. It's like we didn't care about him that much when he died in the first movie because he was old. It was like, he, he, it's over. He wasn't going to live to, to, he wasn't going to outlive Wonder Woman anyway. And she's still this, this goddess, this, one of the strongest women on Earth is, like, still just living day to day and total just, like, she's depressed about it. I mean, I, I get it. But, like, she's saving the world, and meanwhile, this is what's kicking her in the ass. I mean, I guess they could have used that to some degree, but did they have to make a whole movie about her wishing that he had him back? And then she, and then we're spoiling the movie, but if you haven't seen it at this point, you know, you're thank us for spoiling it because it, it's not worth your time. We might be doing you a favor. So we're doing you a favor. It's just god awful. The MacGuffin in the movie, god awful corniness of the 80s. They overdid it too. I was, I was with it. I was thinking this is going to be cool. The 80s. But then it looked like, it almost looked like a Key and Peele <laughs> get of the 80s with leg warmer. It was like, it was just corny. It and was it never much. really went, and it went, no, it went nowhere. Yeah. It really didn't. 
that's the that was the biggest thing. It was like, uh, why I don't care about this artifact. I don't care about the fact that, like, it didn't play into the greater good of the story. It was like it just, uh, why, like, why do we care about this artifact? Like, it didn't change the landscape of the world. The villain didn't win, so it didn't make it like any crazier. It's like what, like, why? Why did I sp- sit through three hours of this? villain doing all these things just to have it all undone and no consequence don't even get me started on that villain how horrible that villain was just walking in everywhere and just everybody was just falling for everything he said it was the biggest waste and the ending and the and the the, just the way you know what i'm talking about the energy going out and coming in and and all that happy horse shit that was going on with it it was just and then the movie ended and you're like, none of this even matters. No, it, you could never, you could not watch that movie, and it make no difference. Zero, yeah. nothing of any consequence. It's worse than a Star Trek television episode where there's no a consequence. It's like a C a C right. a CSI, like it's all some, but nothing really happens. The episode's over, and it's like okay. So I just sat here for two hours and watched this, and and nothing. They're, they're not going to carry anything out of that movie into the future of the universe. I hope not. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing There's nothing there. <laughs> Whatever It was all just a show. The guy come back. She had some time with him. She stopped this corny villain, and the movie's over. Her, her armor was badass. There was a couple. Even the fight scenes were not even oh, that. They no. were not even that. The CGI was bad. I mean, the first movie was awesome. There was nothing in this movie. There was whole swaths of the movie of just her swooning over her boyfriend being back I no say, action nothing there was one part of the movie that I really enjoyed and it came at the very end and it was about 13 so out of a 3 hour movie it was about 13 seconds that I was like oh that's awesome what was that Linda Carter Linda Carter making an appearance to say what's up to yeah. that little girl on the street that yeah. was like cute <sighs> That was really cute. I enjoyed that. that. And then I was like, yeah, okay, was over. I'll tell you my favorite part of the movie. When Gal Gadot gets out of the car with that white dress. <laughs> that was my favorite part of the movie. She leads with like 13 foot legs. Like, yeah, just yeah, all yeah. Legs for so, days. I mean, that's it. I mean, there was absolutely yeah. nothing in that movie. The, the characters are bad. Cheetah, whoever that other character was, was terrible. Oh, man. It's just just good, complete waste of time. And if that movie doesn't, if that movie doesn't make you think, about halfway through it, they were like, "This movie doesn't even really matter. We're gonna cash in on Wonder Woman. They're just gonna do something completely different now, and go somewhere completely because they can't. There, there's no. They should just move on. Yep. And act like every other DC movie. I mean, like I was okay with Aquaman. We didn't even touch on that. It was it was enjoyable. It was it was, it was a okay. Fun, it was a fun movie. Yeah, but but I mean, doesn't there's nothing of any consequence really going on to carry over. There's nothing. So if you only if you watch no DC movies and you watch the the next one that comes out, you're not going to be lost. No, because there's nothing. Nothing really. Well, nothing really carried over. Ben Affleck, doesn't matter. Ben Affleck's gone. This Batman movie is pretty much a standalone movie. You know what the best thing to come out of DC has been? Fucking the Joker. Well, Kim which has nothing. Is the Joker. To do, which has nothing to do with any of it. Nothing. Nothing at all. <laughs> That's been the best thing to come out of DC recently. And it's like, yeah. why? Why do you do this? Why? I'm good. Just give me Joker and Batman movies for the rest of my days. Forget about the rest of the characters. Let them stay in the comic books. Fuck. Let them stay in the in the in the animated universe. They're good in the animated universe. But 
Stop. Stop with the big screen. Stop cashing in on the success of Marvel, period. I will say this. Looking at the list, one DC movie that doesn't get a lot of love that should and was fantastic for what it was was Shazam. Yeah. Again, doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean anything, but it was a fun movie for the kid. Doesn't have anything on the greater good, but I mean, as a standalone fun movie for a yes. kid to watch, it's a fantastic movie. And bring Shazam. on Black Adam as The Rock as Black Adam because The Shazam Rock Shazam was a no fun wrong. movie. Yeah. But all of them. Suicide Squad, doesn't matter if we ever no. see anything out of that movie I'm, again. There's another one None of them, out, right? There's another one. Doesn't even matter. So any of these movies doesn't matter. Birds Nothing of, of any of the consequence of any of those movies matters. Nothing. But go back and look at the Marvel, the last 15 years of Marvel. And it after, all it all makes... After all watching to... Endgame, there's something in every single one of them that mattered in the end. You could pluck out of... as you Like, I actually went back and watched a couple of them. And I'm like, huh. There's that scene. Like, they brought that back to Endgame. Yeah. Endgame yeah. came back to that and, and tied that all in. Wow. Or like an artifact. Or like this. Like something in every Marvel movie mattered. Yeah. In DC, they might as well have just been standalone properties. Like, there was no, it made no sense. Yeah. The, the DC movies are just complete uh, waste of time, really, to be honest with you. If you're looking at it as a universe side of things, yes. If you're looking at it for what the characters are, yes. Like I said, outside of most of the Batman work, the odd, in my opinion, you know, lucky shot with like an Avenger, uh, sorry, with like a Shazam. Where again, fun movie, enjoyable, but I mean, I could go as much as Henry Carville as Superman was good. I could live with all those movies, as much yeah. as Jason Momoa as as Aquaman was good. I could do without that movie. As much as I love Gal Gadot, I think she's gorgeous and a good actor or actress. I could do without those movies. Yeah, I'm good. Like it just didn't. But can you say that about Marvel? You go Tony Stark and Robert Downey Jr. You got to have those movies. Yeah. Captain America, you got to have those movies. Absolutely. Ant Man, uh, you, know, you got to have that movie. You gotta, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, X Men, I think we could probably do without, right? At this point. <laughs> At this point, but I mean, you know, Thor movie, yeah. and and, uh, and and all of even. I mean, I was a big fan of the of the uh, the, the Ragnarok movie. Yep. The 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 tone and all that. The way they did the way they did retro in that movie, I thought they were going to try to go for it, and and they tried to do it in Wonder Woman eighty four, and it was just. Couldn't get it. They, yeah. they they couldn't grab that. They couldn't grab it. Even like the rebooted Spider. Even though Spider Man's been rebooted about five times in the last twelve years, their their most recent stuff with like Homecoming and all that, super fun oh. movies. And you know what saved them? You know what saved Spider Man? It's gonna save Spider Man for us. The one Marvel movie we haven't talked about, and the one Marvel character we haven't talked about that's gonna make a big difference going forward. And saved Spider-Man property is the Spider-Man, the Spider-Verse cartoon, the animated movie. Oh my God! Well, probably one of the best things ever. The best comic thing ever because it said, you know what? There's you guys have stories smeared everywhere, all over. It took a multiverse, which is a hard subject for non-comic fans and nerds to get grasp, mm -hmm. and made it like Mama Taco could enjoy it. We I give a crap. I have I've seen that movie about six times. I love the music. The effects, the, art. the visuals. It was it might it was probably the closest thing to a perfect movie that in yes. any in any genre, yes. not just superheroes in any genre. And I implore you, if you've made it to this far 
into the podcast and you are any type of comic book lover or any just a movie lover in general, put that on the top of your list of must-see things because it's damn near perfect. What's it? I, I, I might have called it the wrong name. It might be... Uh... I think it's Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, but what that's the animated one that came out, and it's got Miles Morales, who is the other the other Spider Man, who's also going to be a big part of it, and and what's happening in Spider Man Three apparently is Tobey Maguire's coming back, mm-hmm. and Andrew Garfield, all the Spider Men, because it's going to be basically what they did in that tune in Spider Man Three, because the multiverse is coming after the snap, yeah. Doctor Strange's movie, everything they're bringing everybody. There's going to be three Spider Men, Miles Morales is going to be. And even Marvel's taking that corny concept and making that awesome. But they found a way to make a cartoon that has nothing to do with the universe relevant in the universe. Like Yes. Yes. Again, that just that you cannot I can't credit Marvel enough for the work they put in establishing that macro timeline of movies and events and things that are important. If DC could reset and take a page out of that book and just be like, you know what? Forget Marvel. What they're doing is what they're doing. We're going to go back to the drawing board and redevelop our universe and not try to play catch-up. They might have a chance at redemption. But as it stands right now, if they continue down this path of trying to do what Marvel's doing without putting in that work, without putting in that that time, they're going to continue to fall flat on their face, and they're going to ruin the history of a lot of good characters for a lot of young people. And, 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 and here's what trips me out the most about DC. The history is already there. Yeah. Superman Superman was a TV show in the 50s. Batman was a show in the 60s. Everybody knows the origins of Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman, and they don't have to try that hard. Yep. They can just absorb some of that and just roll with it instead of trying to make everything be, you know, they already have their own thing. Yeah. Quit trying to do what Marvel did. Quit trying to beat Marvel and just be the best DC you can. Is what exactly. They need to do. Yeah. Exactly. And I, I'm hoping for it. And I'm hoping that that, that approach is, is taken with this new Batman movie. But in terms of cinematics, in, in my opinion, outside of the animated series and that one animated piece of brilliance from Marvel, I think yeah. DC takes the cake when it comes to animation. Absolutely. But Marvel is years and years and years ahead of DC in the conversation of, of just live action, anything. I don't think DC will ever catch them in that aspect and they don't need to No, DC just needs to get their stuff right and just make good Batman movies like they did with Nolan. Yeah. Just make a good Superman movie. Just make good movie. They have the characters there. You can make a great green lantern movie. Don't even tie them together. And if you don't, and they don't have to be perfect. They can still exist in the same universe, but they don't have to be. You don't have to have Superman in the Green Lantern movie. Oh, they have they have Green Lantern stories now, in the DC universe where everything is connected, and we don't see Superman. We don't see Batman. Is not you know they have the little pieces in there, but you don't have to have them in there. Yeah, you know what I mean. You don't. I mean they can still be in the same, but the story they don't have to be a vital part of the story. Yeah. So. And we can talk. We can go. We can go another six hours talking about this. And that's the thing is, it's a it's a passion. It's a, it's a passion. It's exciting. And I'm sure when the next set of movies comes out, we'll be here right back revisiting this. Or we'll you know we'll get caught up on some comic books. Uh, we'll get caught up on this. I think um, 
the next couple of ep- we're gonna end it on there in terms of our comic book discussion because it, it was a great one i really enjoyed that and i think you start to see a little bit more of our fiery uh our fiery <laughs> yeah. love for our, our our heroes in tights um and the next the next little while we've got some exciting stuff i mean taco is a much bigger baseball guy than i am but we yep. just got announcements on mlb the show Yes. So we're we're working on bringing in our first guest to the podcast mm-hmm. to talk about not only the launch of the upcoming launch of the show, but also life as a up and coming young baseball player um, with some experience. And I won't spoil anything. We'll keep that under wraps. Uh, we're we're going to be spending some time talking about sports and the and the start of the MLB season. Yeah, uh, there's been some really exciting news throughout the MLB universe. Uh, we still have uh, still have some conversations about conspiracies that we're we're gonna throw in there and yeah, talk about. Yeah, yeah. Our interest in conspiracies and, and aliens. Uh, we've got the Super Bowl coming up this weekend. The Super Bowl coming up this weekend. So, got the Bucks. Let's go Bucks. Yeah, Tacos yeah. adopted team. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we've got we've got a lot of stuff. We'll be so in the upcoming episodes, we'll continue to talk about our our, our passion for for comics and gaming. Uh, we're gonna start to get into the gaming life cycle now with a lot of stuff starting to. Uh, launch days and stuff come, starting to come out as you get into April, May, and June. So we'll have some stuff down the line talking about games. Uh, it's exciting. We're, we're super excited. We're, we're very, very appreciative to have you all here along for the ride with us. Um, on that, ta- Taco, any last words? No, look forward to it. I mean, even talking about uh, some of our just movies in general and TV in general in the future. But yeah. Look forward to more talk about MLB, the show, gaming, sports, and With, just m- more fun stuff, right? Within the community, we've also got uh, a book club that started recently within the, yes. the community vibe. Yes. So yes. we'll definitely be, we'll definitely have to be, uh, we'll, we'll definitely have to include some of that into our conversation. Yeah. Uh, and we'll be talking about some of our book recommendations and favorite reads because I know you've got a pretty good uh, book of literature, books of literature that, you know, or pieces of literature. Yep. that you've enjoyed reading over the years. So we, we, we'll have a lot to talk about over the next uh, few months and hopefully years as this, this podcast continues to grow. Yeah, and speaking of the community vibe, just to give a shout-out to our family, uh, we call them the Vibe Tribe. There's a group of us where the community vibe, we have a shared Discord of a bunch of content creators, uh, streamers on Twitch, also YouTube content creators like RPG Jess and other ones who do things. Uh, come to our Discord and hang out. You can find it on our link tree, right? Everything's yep. in our link tree. And you can find me personally, Taco Existential, on everything. But come to our Discord where you'll find a group of like-minded individuals, a community of inclusive and positive and uh, fun. And come hang out with us at the Community Vibe Discord. We'd love to have you. Yeah, for sure. We do a whole bunch of stuff. We'll be doing. Are we doing the watch party for the Super Bowl this weekend? We're doing a watch party for the Super Bowl. We're having snacky time before the Super Bowl, where we we show off all the snacks we have and and Discord and won't. It'll just be live in the Discord. We do a lot of that too. It's not always on Twitch. We hang out in Discord and share stuff live and just and hang out and. Uh, uh, we're not letting this COVID keep us from uh, fellowship, so we hang out all the time. Love it. Love to hear. Yeah. Well, on that note, Taco, I appreciate you uh, taking part. In hour and thirty minutes, our longest episode so far. Our longest. You know, imagine that. Talking about nerd stuff, we went the longest we can, oh. and probably could go another thirty minutes. Oh my god, we could go for days. We'll start talking about collectibles and shit. It's over. Uh, yeah. But we, we we won't put you through any more of that for this for this week. I am Dabods United with uh, my good friend and co-host Taco Existential. We will be back in two weeks for the next episode. So look forward to that. Taco, thank you very much. And uh, 
we do say good night. Good night. Look forward to hearing you again and seeing you all again, I guess, and having you listen all again. Something like that. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Yeah.